Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Adam Peterman, one of the best ultramarathoners in the country this year, whose star is on the rise. Adam comes on the podcast fresh off a victory at the 80km Trail World Championships and a breakout year overall that included wins at the Western States 100-mile race, the Canyons 100K, and last fall's JFK 50-miler. Before Adam was a big name at the long distances, he was a steeplechaser at the University of Colorado, where he met his partner, fellow Hoka Trail runner, Aaron Clark. We talked about Adam's journey to the ultra, his training setup in Missoula, Montana, his plans to run a fast marathon, and much more as we dove into the fascinating world of ultra running. He's definitely going to be someone to watch for fans of the long distances in years to come, and this episode was a great look into one of the sport's newest stars. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at RunYourMouthPod for more updates and new episodes, and check out other podcasts in the Sidious Network for more great track and field content. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Uh, exciting to be back to my roots <laughs> here we go um well welcome to run your mouth long run talk for long talking runners uh i'm here this week with uh as as you just said uh a steeplechaser turned uh ultra marathoner and trail runner adam peterman welcome to the podcast hey yeah thanks uh thanks so much for having me on i'm stoked and you just got back from uh from thailand from the uh, i'm gonna get the name wrong but the the world mountain running championships right yep yeah it was uh the world mountain and trail running championships in chiang mai chiang mai i better say that right chiang mai thailand um but yeah i got back about a week ago and you are congratulations you're you're officially a world champion now so oh thanks so much yeah crazy crazy experience uh yeah so walk us through the trip like how did it go down and, and how was the race for you yeah the trip I mean, I was, I was telling someone today, like the whole experience, like the race experience, the cultural experience, all of it was just awesome. Um, but yeah, I ended up racing the 80 K out there and, um, you know, there was a lot of different events. There was an 80 K and a 40 K, a short course, and then also an uphill division. So, you know, I figured if I'm going all the way to Thailand, I'll probably do the 80 K, um, get my money's worth. So yeah, it was, uh, Super fun race. We had a great team from Team USA, a bunch of guys who I guess I didn't really know them before the trip, but after the race, we all felt like brothers. Um, and yeah, fortunately, I was able to come away with the win. It was, you know, it was 50 mile race with about 16,000 feet of climbing through Ooh. the jungle. So <laughs> it was tough. Um, but yeah, really happy to come away with the win there. Were you, at, how was the crew set up for the race? Like how often were you able to, to see folks during, during the jungle run? Um, you know, it was, we could only see crew three different times. I think I got used to a little more crew support from, from races like Western States, you know, you see, you see an aid station like every five miles. Um, but yeah, the course was essentially like one it started off with a huge climb, like the first eight miles, you gained like 5,000 feet. And then you saw crew there. So you saw crew about an hour in. And then you did this 20, 
22, 23 mile loop kind of on the backside. Um, and that was more of like this dirt road, but really hilly dirt road um, that ran past like these little villages and um, not as much trail, just more of a dirt road. Um, and then you saw crew again at that same spot. So that's at mile 31. And then you had a 10 mile section where you dropped down to the valley. So you lost like 4,000 feet and then came right back up to the crew spot and then just had a downhill to the finish. So yeah, three times. And uh, most important question, how did you guys celebrate uh, the race afterwards in Thailand? Oh man. Um, it, It was kind of funny. The, we, you know, we ran 50 miles, so we were pretty, pretty worked over. Um, we tried to like all go out to this bar and all of us just started tank, like (laughs) tanking so early. Um, I think I went to bed at like 10 PM, which is honestly pretty good. You know, you wake up really early to do this race. Um, the, (laughs) The next day we celebrated. So we, we, we celebrated the next day, which was good. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. What, so I guess one thing I think as I've, you know, kind of learned more about the the ultra trail world um, is, is just how much like variation there is in like runners and race styles and everything. What would you say is like your, your strength as an ultra runner? Like what is, what are you particularly good at relative to other people? Um, I feel like the thing I'm best at is probably when it's like, I'm good at climbing and then I'm pretty good when it's runnable. Um, like I can run like technical, like rocky trails, but I definitely prefer it when it's not as much, I think kind of from more of my running background, um, running at Colorado, like at Colorado, we did a lot of runs just at six minute pace. Um, you know, we'd run like 15 or 18 miles at six minute pace, like two times a week. And so I think that made me be pretty good at just running like kind of fast over rolling terrain. Um, but also, I like I've done well in races that aren't as technical. But uh, yeah, I feel like I prefer when it's more runnable, probably like over twenty miles. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. that's the races I've been doing at least this last year and a half. Yeah. So uh, I promise I'll try not to ask things you've answered a million times. But for the listener, you know, how did you kind of go from you know steepling in college and and running? uh on the NCAA level to so quickly getting into the ultra world how did that transition work for you yeah um I think for me like so I grew up in Montana and then I ran at Colorado um but I was a really outdoorsy kid like I remember being at University of Colorado and I was actually getting really frustrated because you know we have like 55 or 54 14ers in that state and like I always wanted to climb them. And yet at the end of my five years there, I think I climbed like three of them. Uh, and so I was always frustrated like that I couldn't do certain hikes or like mountain bike rides or trail runs. Like, so I was definitely into that stuff in college. Um, and so after college, once my running kind of ended, I was really excited to move back to Montana and like get back into that stuff. Um, And I think where I live in Montana, it's a city called Missoula, but it actually has like a really strong group of trail runners, especially like, you know, dudes my age, like in the early 20s, um, who are just really solid at trail running. Um, 
And I think just like coming back here, uh, getting surrounded by that and then just being excited to actually be able to like climb peaks and go mountain biking just like really propelled me to just want to do trail racing. Um, cause I know like after college, I didn't know if I wanted to race anymore. It felt like a little burnt out and stuff, but yeah, trail trail has been awesome. Um, it's been like a great way to be running again. So, you know, I think it's, it's funny. I was looking in my, uh, my photo album the other day and realizing I some like some photos from JFK popped up, which is where, where we met last year. And I mean, the word like meteoric comes to mind when you think about how much you just burst onto the scene and then literally one year of of racing um you know will sort of provide some context for for folks who maybe aren't as like hardcore ultra fans but i guess for you like in your training and your experience what was the kind of like the moment you know even probably before jfk where you were like oh i'm like really fucking good at this <laughs> <laughs> um oh gosh i you know, it was funny, like 2021 was like really successful for me and uh, like races went really well. But like, I guess I started trail running in 2019 and uh, then COVID happened in 2020. So I didn't really race. So I feel like the like what people say, the meteoric rise, like I feel like it would have not happened uh, quite as much. But I think I had like a whole year in 2020 to like figure out what is going to work, what what worked and what didn't work for me. So. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, like I, I think I realized I'd be good at it when, um, so where I live in Missoula, there's a mountain called Mount Sentinel. Um, it's, it's not a huge peak, but you know, it gains about 2000 feet just right outside of town. Like it's, it's like the backdrop to the city. Um, and the person who had the fastest time running up Mount Sentinel was Jim Walmsley, who's like one of the best trail runners in the world. Um, and he said it. I think in 2017 or 2016. So he was like pretty fit at the time. Um, so I went and time trialed it, like ran it as hard as I could back in uh, 2019. And I ended up beating his time by over a minute. And so when that happened, I was like, all right, like I know Jim was running 100 milers, but like maybe I'm good at climbing. <laughs> and so I think that was kind of like the impetus for me definitely having like a lot more self-belief. So I'm I'm really grateful for that because I don't know if I would have been as confident if that hadn't happened. So I have to imagine that, you know, especially for the sort of more casual fan, that that comparison is one that you get all the time, you know, coming from, you know, like a strong track background, moving like relatively young up in distances, like, does that do you, is that flattering? Does that bother you? Are you like, oh, I'm not the next Jim Walmsley, I'm the first Adam Peterman. Like, how do you yeah. feel like is that is that sort of like something that looms over you to the comparison to Jim, or is that not really factor into your kind of self-image? Um yeah, I I'd like to think that I'm the next, or I don't like to think of like the next gym as like my identity. Like I'd rather carve my own path, but I think me and like a lot of trail runners in the country like really look up to him. Um I know you know, in college, I didn't really follow ultra running that much, but I certainly followed Jim. Um, you know, and Jim has a good way. He's a, he's great at just like saying what his goals are and making it really exciting, like great personality for that. Um, and I think I'm a little more reserved with that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that makes me uh, less interesting or what, but uh, no, I totally like 
a lot of the races that he's chosen to do are definitely the ones that I also am excited about. I think probably because we have a similar background, you know, like running at D1 school where like we're going into trail running as runners. Um, but yeah, totally. Like I look at his time, he ran at Western States for the course record and like that is insane, but like, I want to see if I can do it too. Um, or I look at his time, he ran for the hundred K like flat. And even though that race like doesn't really appeal to me at all, like I definitely <laughs> think about that and think that that would be something to try too. So although, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Jim definitely trains a little bit differently than me. Like I, I'm not trying to crank out like 150 mile weeks. <laughs> uh, when you are like in the depths of training, what do you, what do you get up to usually? But it's funny. I haven't run like super high volume, but I train a lot. Like I do a lot of cross training and stuff. And so I'll put in like 20 hour weeks, but I might only, the most I've ever run is like a hundred and like 105 miles is kind of what I can sustain. Um, and that's something like I'm building up mm-hmm. all the time. Like I'm always trying to make that be a little higher. Um, but you know, yeah, I'll run like 105 miles, but it's, it's on trail. So it takes a long time. And then I'll be on the bike or like be skiing or something like that. That's kind of like the sweet spot I've found thus far. When you, when you're training for a, like a particularly, you know, mountain race versus, you know, a more like flat road ultra, do you track your, your gain as well? Like, I know that's something some folks do like, oh, I'm trying to run, I'm trying to do, you know, yeah, totally 30. Yeah. I'll, I'll shoot for like, yeah, like 15 to 20,000 feet of climbing per week. And so that's like, that's what makes it a little different. I think than road running is like, I do go off a mileage. Um, and I know if I'm running a hundred miles a week, like it's a lot, but it just takes forever. Like, <laughs> you know, you're not just running like seven minute pace to do your hundred mile week. Like you might be averaging like 10 minute miles cause it's so hilly. Um, so your volume gets like way up there in terms of time, even though the, even though the mileage like might not be much higher than a guy running in college. Are you working with a coach right now? Or are you just like making your own way? No, I've been, yeah, I've been self-coached since college. I've, I really liked it. Um, yeah, I find, I kind of found like, I learned a lot about what worked for me and what didn't at Colorado. And, uh, yeah, I just read like a few books about training and just have been rolling with it, but it's been awesome. It's like pretty flexible, like, as in like, I know what my schedule is going to be for the week and I can just write it. And then, um, I don't know, it's been like a big experiment, which I've appreciated. (laughs) Yeah, the, it's certainly, I mean, I think one of the things that, is an interesting phenomenon is that, you know, folks that um, were, were possibly more injury prone or, or quote unquote fragile at shorter distances that once they move to like much more trail running um, or technical stuff, they actually, you'd think they would break more, but actually they break less, which is a, an interesting yeah. phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't ever think that I'd be able to run a hundred miles. Like when I was running at Colorado, if I ever ran like 90 miles a week for over like two or three weeks, I would just get some like terrible injury and be done for the season. And not like I never had any bone injuries really, or like big bone injuries, but um, like I had chronic Achilles problems and it was like such a pain in the ass. Um, like so much so that like one year I didn't even really run because of my Achilles. And I found like, yeah, not running in spikes and running in trail. And then just being like a lot more consistent with like certain PT has like fixed all that. But um, 
yeah, it was, it was funny. Cause I remember thinking like in college, like, okay, where do I want to go with running when it's, when it's over? And I was like, Oh, it'd be fun to do trail, but there's no way I could run a hundred miles. Like I thought I would like break my feet if I tried to run a hundred miles. Um, so it's kind of crazy now, like looking back on that. Here you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have, um, you know, uh, like lingering goals on the roads or track or shorter distances? Is, is that something that you keep in the back of your head? It's like, oh, I still want to oh, run a fast marathon or, or something like that. I'd, yeah, I'd like to run a fast marathon. Uh, I used to have a lingering goal of like trying to break 14 minutes for the 5K. And I I tried training for trail and doing that in 2020 during COVID. And like, I got really fit for a month and then like my Achilles just started hurting again. And I was like, all right, well, I think I'm not going to try to break 14 anymore. Maybe this um, is a sign. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a sign, but no, totally. Um, I want to try to run at the Olympic trials in 2024. So I would be looking at running CIM maybe. Yeah. CIM 2023 or like even Houston, I guess, 2024. But wow. I'm just kind of interested to see, like, like we were talking about with all the cross training and like the extra hours, like I'm interested to see if that actually makes me be a good marathoner, if I can actually like train myself to run five minute pace, because that's the problem. Like aerobically, I think I'm, I think I can handle it. But like my legs just have like, I have such bad leg speed now from all this that it's, uh, it's going to take a few months to restructure myself to do be able to do that. <laughs> Uh, you'll you'll have to compare notes to Zach because that is basically what he spent all fall doing is uh, going from uh, 100k to uh, to marathon training, um, which has been oh true interesting to see for sure. Yeah, well, he's um, got CIM in what two weeks? Yeah, I'm, okay, cool. I I think that the maybe this is just me being overly optimistic, but I I, I think that the foot speed doesn't go away as much as you might think it would i think um you you might lose like that true like you probably like, you probably won't be able to pr on the mile anytime soon no i don't think like, so yeah <laughs> you can still get down to some pretty decent you know like if you're doing you know certainly five minute pace but even like repeat 200s or repeat 400s i think it's you'd surprise yourself with how close to like 90 percent you can get off of off of truly distance running but yeah, I'll have to test it out because I definitely like I do strides. I do my strides like twice a week. Uh, I've kept that. But like, you know, I after Western States, I did strides like a month later and I wasn't even going faster than like 630 pace. But then <laughs> I kept at it all fall and I was finally able to run five minute pace again. So hopefully you're right. Um, it's I in feel there like somewhere. Now, you're young. It's there. <laughs> it's there. So there's there might still be time. Well, and so looking at the other direction, like. I mean, you're so young that it's, it's, it's hard to be like, what's on your bucket list. Cause you, you hopefully have a long uh, time to, to knock it out, but what are the kind of races on your radar that you're excited about moving forward or distances yeah. or locations, that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. It's weird. Cause I've like entered into the ultra running world, like in the last year and a half. Um, but I really didn't think I would be running these longer races so quickly. Like I never thought I would run a hundred miler when I was like 26. Um, but yeah, looking ahead, like next year, I I'm registered for Western States, so I'm going back. Um, and then my hope is that I can do less racing before Western States. And with the goal of running 
one of the races at UTMB. And so that would be like UTMB is the big race in Europe. That's it's 106 miles around Mont Blanc, but they have a 55 K and a 100 K that's become like pretty damn competitive in the last few years. Um, so yeah, the hope would be to do one of those two races after Western States and then move to the marathon in the fall to try for the OTQ. Um, but yeah, like looking ahead the next few years, I think I, I don't want to over race and I, I probably don't want to do multiple hundred milers in a year. Um, so like the 200 milers that get me fired up right now are like Western States and then UTMB, but they're kind of different beasts. Like Western States takes like 15 hours. Like you don't even need a headlamp if you do it right. Um, UTMB, like you're running through the night. And so I think I kind of want to hold off on trying for like the big 106 mile UTMB probably until like in the next two, I, I'll probably wait like two years to try that. Um, Cause I wouldn't mind having more like ultra experience. Um, does the, yeah. does the comrades marathon appeal to you at all? I feel like that would be one where, where you could potentially really clean up in a, in a uphill year. Oh man, maybe I used to think about that. Um, yeah, maybe I would like to try something like that, whether it's comrades or, uh, like a flat road hundred K just to see if I can handle it. Like, like Hoka put on project carbon X a couple years mm -hmm. ago. And then right when I signed with Hoka, they put on project carbon X two. So those were like hundred K world record attempts. They televised and live streamed. And, um, so like I got to be a part of pacing gym there and I made it like 35 miles at six minute pace. And I remember thinking like, Oh man, like maybe I should have just, like tried to keep running with him for longer. <laughs> um, so if, if Hoke ever put something like that on again, I would probably, probably go for it. And, you know, talking about these like big, especially the international races, one thing I think people don't realize until you, you know, you look at like you watch UTMB or like you see some of these races, the photos and the video from it, they're like hella popular and like they have a huge like fan component to it um and and even you know races like western states and and the bigger races in um the u.s do how you know how do you feel like the ultra world can become like much more of a like mainstream fan sport um because clearly the potential is there yeah totally it's i was i was talking to um my partner aaron about this the other day like uh i just feel like trail is such a fun thing to like tune in on like it's just so dynamic you know like in thailand for example like we're run through the jungle and there's all these hills and like i don't know you might have someone who's leading like be like throwing up like 10 miles later and then they might like go back and lead again like a lot like just so much stuff can happen with people dropping out and like nutrition just hitting the fan and um i feel like i yeah i think it's gonna grow a lot like it's continuing to grow um and also you have races like Western States and UTMB that are now live streaming it, which I think is huge. Um, I think live streaming will definitely be like the thing that propels the sport to be like really, really popular just because like the way, the way you'd follow ultra running in the past would just be like live updates from either like the timing company or, and, or Twitter. 
and like just some really, guy on the side of the road yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that's like that's really helpful but i think um just having live streaming like continuously going gives people the chance to like tune in and see what's happening so i don't know it's an it's really exciting time to be a trail runner um yeah i'm really stoked to be entering it right now well i think too like i've you know you've seen particularly some of the more famous ultra runners when when they do make youtube videos or or whatever about their training or races you know the because like you know a ultimately the setting is so like visually compelling compared to just like a road race that's like very built in right there and you know especially with like the way drone technology has gone that's like what i want to see in the like in the the growth of the streaming is like if someone can figure out how to like have drones going for a live stream the whole oh, time. Oh, you'd be so cool. Being yeah. able to see like relatively where people are, like tune in, not in between aid stations. Like I think that would be like a game changer for for like increasing the popularity for sure. Oh yeah. I hope it yeah, I hope it just keeps getting better. Like um there's a race called Broken Arrow, which is a big 50k and 28k and then a vertical kilometer that's in uh like Tahoe area, but they, they live streamed their entire VK, which, you know, that's like a 45 minute race. And so I think that type of model is like pretty good for like a drone to follow. Cause you're just like following these guys duking it out up a mountain. And uh, yeah, but no, I think all that stuff is going to be so good. I mean, like the Western States coverage, I think on YouTube has like hundreds of thousands of views, like people, there's a market for people who want to follow it. Oh, sure. It's crazy. I, I mean, I, the thing that I always think is crazy is how big the ultra fan base is, but how detached it is from like traditional like marathon running or or track and field. Yeah. Like, you'll see uh, the number of times, you know, I'll like stumble upon some ultra runner I've like never heard of and be like, they have 25,000 Twitter followers. I'm like, how is yeah. this possible? But it is, it's a huge world. And, and yeah, my personal thing is I'm like, how can we bring those closer together? You know? Oh dude, I love that. I, I agree. Cause I think uh, like when I was, I remember being in college and I saw the results of some 50 K I think, I think it was the Speedgoat 50 K, which is like a really hard mountainous 50 K in Utah. And I remember seeing that Jim Walmsley got the course record and it was like five hours and five minutes. Um, but I remember looking at that and seeing what his pace was per mile because he averaged like, you know, 10 or 11 minutes a mile because it's so hilly. And I remember thinking like, trail running so stupid, like that's so <laughs> slow. Like I didn't get it. And I think that's how a lot of people who are training for flat events or like road races, like look at it. Um so I'd, I'd love to bridge that gap. I think uh, that's why I'm so stoked to be on this podcast because you guys are primarily like track and road. So yeah, yeah. nerding out a little bit. Uh, and and I think, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's super, like it's just super, there's so much more going on too. Like I think that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like walking us through some of the the like nitty gritty of Western states in terms of like uh, like how many times did you change shoes during the race? Yeah. Um, oh, the sh- I actually didn't change my shoes during the race. Oh, I probably, okay. I probably should have or could have. Um, but I don't know, man. I was just, I was just on a roll. I didn't want to take them off. But then when I finished, they were like covered in like all this, like, like little burrs from grass. So I probably, I probably should have. Um, but I did, I did not change shoes at Western States. 
And so what were you, what were you eating in the aid stations? What was like the, the food either plan or just what ended up happening? <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah, that's a um, good question. The, so at Western States, I, I had this like really detailed nutrition plan. Um, like try, I was trying to eat like 400 calories an hour, um, almost entirely in bottles, like all in my drink mix. And I tried that, I'd say for like 40 miles. And then after a while, like every time I drank, I just felt like nothing. I felt like it wasn't staying in my stomach or I felt like it was, I guess that's not the right term. I felt like I was going to throw up, I guess, if I just drank anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like super low on energy. Like it felt like what I was taking in wasn't working. And so I ended up stopping taking that drink mix and then moved to a different one that was at the aid stations and started taking, um, fruit snacks like moss fruit snacks i packed a bunch of moths and then dude for the last 60 miles like i almost ran western states entirely on aid station drink mix and then moths fruit snacks (laughs) and it was crazy because like the shift in my energy between mile 40 and mile 50 so i had like i don't know 10 miles to like make this switch i went from feeling like i was gonna do pretty poorly to being at mile 50 and i'm like i think i'm gonna win the race like it was such a big difference it was, you uh, gotta get you a, a Mott's fruit snack sponsorship. <laughs> dude, <laughs> I know. Except except Mott's are like the cheapest snack in the world. So I don't know. If All right, we'll get you a it. fancy one instead. Yeah. Um, um, have you ever but, eaten like real? Because I know, and especially in the longer races, like you're, you're probably just getting up there with Western states. But have you ever like eaten like real food during a race? You know, during a race, I haven't as much, but definitely like running around uh, Montana, I have like, yeah, I've had plenty of runs where I bring like a, like a PB&J or like a bagel or something. Um, But I feel like all the races I've done are short enough that I can just get by with like hummingbird food. Uh, Yeah, but I've yet to, I've yet to have to race and bring like a sandwich or anything like that. And of course, got to get into it. Like, how many times are you using the bathroom during Western States? Oh, dude, fortunately only once. And that was also at only mile 40. Once. I think that was this, that was when I realized I was like, this mix isn't working. Yeah. I went, uh, I used an outhouse at mile 40 of Western States, which That's is pretty great. impressive. Like, yeah. You'd think if you're going to have to go, you're going to go at like mile three, but somehow I like didn't have to go until like six hours in. So it, yeah, I was, I was pretty lucky on that in that regard too. <laughs> how messed up was your stomach following the race i feel like that that's usually where it really hits you oh dude um yeah actually yeah worlds was like the only race i haven't like just puked afterwards um but yeah canyons 100k in western states like right when i finished i just threw up everything um western states was yeah i i did an interview afterwards and then walked across the track to drug testing and like yeah, I don't think I even made it to the other side of the track before like throwing up. Uh, <laughs> but then I think I was okay. Like I didn't really eat much that night. I kind of just like went to bed. But then the next day, I think I ate like four or five cheeseburgers. Um, yeah, that was so my stomach was good, but I definitely had to eat for a lot for like weeks to recover. And uh, is uh, what's the what's the post race drink of choice? Um, oh gotta be a modello modello okay it's my favorite beer yep that, plenty of modellos 
That's your favorite beer. That's an, and I would never, especially as an upper Midwest, or I don't know if Montana counts as the Midwest, but like I would have expected like a weedy, like a, a German beer or something. Oh, That's... yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I drink plenty of like craft beers that are made in uh, like around my area, but I got to be honest, I think Modelo is like my favorite beer. Um, All right. Yeah, I, I like them. I had hands. That's another yesterday. one if you get you a hands sponsorship. Hands is great. I had, I had a hand yesterday. Hands? No, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, those were similar. I like that too. So I guess I just don't have a good taste in beer. Oh man, have you ever run a beer mile? No, but I did in college. I I tried training for one, and so my friends and I just drank like what were we trying to do? We we're trying to drink like a beer as fast as we could, and then wait like however long it would take to run a lap. So like seventy five seconds, and I think I chugged like two or three of them, and then I just like threw up everywhere. So that was like. I was like, this is a bad sign. Like, I don't think I should try it the beer mile. And so it, it didn't, it didn't happen, but I, I'd like to try it now, now that I'm older. It's a very interesting strategy because most people don't train for the beer mile, but they will race it and you train for it, but never end up racing it. I know. Yeah. There was like four of us who tried and then that was my outcome. And the other guys were like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we should do this. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, mentioned it earlier but uh obviously your your partner Aaron is a trail runner uh as well um how does that work do you guys train together do you guys do your own thing most of the time what's the what's the running relationship vibe like yeah the the running relationship um we we run together i'd say like once or twice a week um we have a little dog that's a chihuahua pug um that runs with us sometimes uh but yeah, but, we do. I, hold on, yeah. hold on. You have a Chihuahua pug that is capable of running with you, dude. It's insane. Yeah, she's like fifteen pounds, and yet, like, I've taken her on a twenty-mile run before. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, you have to bring a bunch of treats, otherwise, she doesn't want to do it. But That's it's so crazy. Funny. She's yeah, got to be yeah. the most like fit uh pug mix that has ever existed. <laughs> oh yeah, I I feel like yeah, she's crazy. Um. You wouldn't expect it from her at all, but she's definitely like more Chihuahua looking than pug, which I think that's a huge benefit because my, my parents have a full pug named Dominic. Um, and yeah, Dominic could never really make it that far. He would go like 10 miles before it was done. That's still pretty long for, for a dog on a run, but that, uh, that is, uh, yeah. that is very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But no, Aaron, and I, yeah, we, we have, uh, we, run together a decent amount uh especially on the flats because Erin has like such a strong road running background that she usually just smokes me when we run flat together um she's like half stepping me the whole run how uh i'm assuming you guys met via being college teammates yep yeah we met we both ran at colorado so um yeah we started dating uh my our fifth year yeah but we were on the team together uh before that what was the Um, first date uh what was the first date i think we went to we went to uh this pizza restaurant with like a group of friends and then it was actually valentine's day yeah we went to a pizza restaurant with a group of friends valentine's day so that was kind of like a signal i felt like that maybe we were more than friends and then we were biking to our houses and like right before her turn she's like i have a hot tub and I was like, nice. oh, cool. Yeah, I was like, right on. <laughs> and then she's like, 
you should come over sometime. We can hang out in the hot tub. And then she just turned and biked right to her house. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> like she was gone before I could even answer. That's but a baller move. I respect it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of the genesis. Oh, man. So that's that's perfect. Your anniversary is technically uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Two birds, one think, stone. <laughs> yeah, it takes care of it. Although I think our official anniversary is in June. Like we, uh, it wasn't really official until June. You wait until June to hit up the hot tub? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think to make it Facebook official. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who, uh, who gets more nervous for the other person racing? For the other person. I feel like I get more nervous for her. I feel like she doesn't get that nervous when I race. I don't know. Maybe like Western it's Western a sign states, of her confidence. Like, yeah, maybe. But Western states, like all of our friends were there crewing me, and so I feel like that was uh, like it just made it really fun. It was like a party, so she probably couldn't have been too nervous. But then when I crewed her at UTMB, it was like just me, and so I was like, actually, I was with her dad as well. Um, but it felt like I couldn't disperse the nervousness too much. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's definitely. Uh... So it's, it's always one or the other. I Although Zach does like crazier things than I do. So I feel like that leads to me getting more nervous because more things oh, yeah. just go wrong in ultras. <laughs> what were you like? Were you nervous at JFK? Because Aaron said your crew, your guys' crew was like a party. Yeah, that will. So that one, I wasn't nervous because I wasn't responsible for. Well, that's not true. I was responsible for untying his shoes when they got out of the trail section. And so that was really stressful because I was like. I gotta, I have like an important role and I have to not fuck it up. Um, and I refused to tie. I was like, I'm not going to tie the shoes because I don't want to be held responsible for like, Oh no. Yeah. That's too tricky. Untied. Too much um, personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I, I was really nervous for mad city because a, because it was like really hot and awful. Um, and then also I was the only one crewing. So like I had to make sure to not like fuck up the bottles or the timing or anything. So yeah that that's uh, the the weight of responsibility is usually what makes me nervous oh yeah it's kind of tricky too like you don't know what to say to them that's what i found was hard with uh with aaron um because i feel like uh like she had a long period where she wasn't racing just from injury and so like she crewed me like five different races before i finally crewed her and uh she was like so dialed with me and then when it came time for me to crew her, I'm like, oh, shit, like, what do I say? Like, you don't want to I, I never want to ask him, like, how they're doing. Yeah. Or like I... even give them the option to tell me they feel bad. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> you look great. <laughs> I think my problem is that uh, there are times when, like, I should be, like, motivating him to keep going. But I'm always, like, more like, this seems awful. You can stop if you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah especially yeah. like uh um at mad city when it was like 75 degrees and 25 mile an hour winds i was mostly just nervous like he was gonna actually like like have something bad like medically happen <laughs> so like when he yeah. like almost like dropped out like i feel like i should have been like no keep going you can do it uh -huh. whereas i was kind of more like if you want to stop, that's probably the safest choice. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Yeah, because you don't want, like you just don't want to see your partner like suffering like that. Although that's like the whole thing with ultra. It's like yeah, uh, that, that's just a yeah the whole thing. Um, well, speaking of what to say, what's so like deep 
deep in the race, what is going through your head? Like what, what is your mental, both to keep yourself going, but then also like, just what are you thinking about? Like, you know, 12 hours into Western yeah. States. Yeah. I try to like, I don't know. I try to like, not, um, what do I, what am I trying to say? I try to, um, I guess like focus on the things that I can control in that moment, which has been helpful. And so if it's like mile, if I'm like at mile 90 of Western States, I'm, it doesn't help me to think that I've run 90 miles and it doesn't help me to think I have 10 to go. Cause like when you're 90 miles in 10 miles seems pretty far still. And so I found it helpful to just focus on like the simplest things. And so I'd be thinking about like, okay, I probably should like drink some water. I probably should like drink some of my mix here and like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely periods where it gets like really, really hard. Um, and that's where you have to like find something that's going to motivate you. And so, yeah, for me, like I definitely think about like when you're that late in the race, um, like one thing I think about, like my mom just, she's so excited about running. And she gets so excited when I do well. Um, and I, whenever I've had like a tough time in a race, I'm just like, oh man, like you can, you can gut this out. Like, like mom will be so proud. Aww. And it's like, I don't know. I'm kind of like a, I guess I'm kind of a mama's boy, but <laughs> like, she's always so excited. Um, so that's been definitely a motivator. Um, and then the other thing, like a lot of these races that I've been leading, like people are kind of chasing you. And so that's like, I feel like that's a huge motivator when you don't know how big your lead is or anything like that. Um, just to know like, all right, you gotta, gotta keep pushing cause they might be like right around the corner. Yeah. The, it's, uh, the unknown of, uh, <laughs> like you were saying earlier, like how much can change so dramatically so late in, uh, in a ultra has to be kind of a, a scary thing to, to keep you on. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's super scary. Like, uh, I know last, it was 2021 at Western States, um, Hayden Hawks was in second up until mile 93. And then I think he just got really hot and uh, like he ended up finishing, he still finished within the top 10, but I think he had like a 45 minute period where he was like laying on the side of the trail. Mm. And so, <laughs> yeah, just like scary stuff. Um, and that's definitely something I was thinking about at Western States, like, you know, I passed Hayden at mile like 75 and I was like, ah, oh, shit. Like, am I just about, am I doing the same thing that he did? And like, am I going to be laying on the side of the trail at mile 93? And like, fortunately it didn't happen, but it's one of those things like it can just hit you so fast and you don't know what's happening. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, definitely something that is, you, you have to, really be there to see it like just how quickly a race can go from like really good to really bad yeah yeah fortunately it hasn't happened to me uh very badly like enough to enough to like totally derail the race but i'm totally aware that it's it will happen eventually <laughs> well on that bright note uh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we can. Uh, we wrap up every episode with uh, asking our guests the same three questions. Um, the first one uh, is your Instagram crush, uh, or TikTok, or Twitter, or whatever you're into these days. Um, what is what's something on social media that you you've been enjoying lately? Um, oh man, like you know the reels on Instagram that show oh, up. Yeah. The algorithm for my reels is like so funny right now. It's unbelievable. I think 
a few of my friends and I send each other reels every night and it's just like got me figured out. So yeah, I would say the humor of my reels has been top notch. What is the algorithm? What it like what is on your uh on your feed? Oh dude, it's probably kind of embarrassing. It's just like really immature humor. I think it's probably <laughs> something like high school boys would think is funny, but for some reason like my friend group likes it too. <laughs> well, if there's <laughs> If we know anything, it's that uh, that can be a very successful demo in uh, building a running fan base. So yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Um, the next is your uh, go-to karaoke song. Someone hands you the mic after the the Thailand World Championships. What do oh you say? Uh, do I do I have options? I've never even I've never had the opportunity. Like that's why you gotta have karaoke. a go-to. You gotta be ready you know, at any moment, karaoke could happen to you. Oh, gosh. Now I'm blanking. Um, oh, probably like, what's my age again by Blink-182. Oh, sure. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one because uh, it's a crowd pleaser. Everyone who's our age will be like uh, singing <laughs> along with you. That's that's yeah. a good one. I think that would go well. Uh, and, <laughs> and last but not least, your death row meal. You're going to the chair. You get one last meal, whatever you want to eat. What are you eating? Jeez. Uh, there's this place in Missoula I really like that makes burritos. Taco del Sol is what it's called. I would probably say a fish burrito from Taco del Sol. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the cheap burrito place in Missoula. Or it used to be. Can't go wrong. That'd be is it, are you going for a Marg or just straight Modelo till the till the end? Oh, yeah, we do Modelo. <laughs> Yeah, that'd there be perfect. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thanks so much for for coming on and uh, rolling through uh, quite the year that you've had, a uh, couple of years that you've had with us. So really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks. And... Thanks so much for having me on. Hopefully, uh, I get to see you at one of the races coming up, or maybe oh, yeah. when you're crew and Zach, or one of the Absolutely. marathons in the next year. <laughs> um, until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. What's my age again? What's my age again?